One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. plushcare.com/weightloss. Pursuing your future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge, especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello Liberty listeners, welcome to another episode of Liberty Road. Today you guys get to hear from Aviva Black of Family Love Letters. And this is a special one because I've actually known Aviva from back when she was starting Family Love Letters and I've been able to see it morph into what it is today. So, I'm not only excited for you guys to hear what she does, but to really get to know a little bit of how she got here. Aviva, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much. It's great to be here. And we're glad to have you. So just to kick us off, what is Family Love Letters? Family Love Letters is a way for people to honor their family stories and to have a deeper communication with one another. So I um, capture and preserve mostly elder people's stories in a letter that's then shared with family. So it's an enduring keepsake. What is that? actually look like is it a box of letters is that literally what somebody's getting uh, it's a good question so there are two parts to it one is it's an experience so for the client it's a way for them to relay their stories you know they have all these experiences these lessons learned and people in their lives that have helped shape who they are so it's a way for them to be able to share all of that mm. with their family And then the physical product is an actual letter. It is a hard copy letter. Amazing. Okay, there's a digital backup. Yeah. <laughs> there is a digital backup, but it's a hard copy, several copies for the family members, and it's signed by the client. So when the reader, whether it be the child, the grandchild, or the great-grandchild, 
when that reader is reading the letter, they are holding the actual letter that their loved one held in their own hands. Mm, that's really special. And mm -hmm. are you the one that's physically writing it using their words? Like if we have an elderly person that we love that we'd like to do this with, but is not able mm -hmm. to do the writing, is that something that you do? Is it typed out? What does it look like? So most people aren't able to do the writing on their own. Yeah. Even writers have a hard time. Yeah. doing this because of something called perfection. <laughs> and for others, it's just hard to get started and to know what questions to ask yourself. So I make it really easy. With my clients, I just have a regular conversation. It's usually by Zoom or on the phone. And then I do take the recordings and transfer that into a coherent letter. All the work is done on my part. Mm. And then the um, experience, which is just meant to be easy and fun and enjoyable is for the client. What an amazing product. How did you go from where you are now to offering it? Go back a little to how did you start this? What ignited this fire in you to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to help people capture these memories and these stories and, and this legacy. Yeah, this is really close to my heart. When my father died, my brother, sister, and I were cleaning out his things in his study. And I opened the desk drawer and there was an envelope that was addressed to my siblings and me. And mm. I took out this letter that was exactly what I'm doing now. It made a connection between my siblings and me and my father. And it got us through that week. But honestly, it sounds so much like him because it is him yeah. that I visit that letter and revisit it just to hear his voice. And I know that my father was the rare bird who could do this on his own. I mean, it's really hard to do on your own. Sure. And so I wanted to make this available to as many people as possible. So that's how I started Family Love Letters. And it strikes me too, as you talk about how hard it is, we don't know what's unique about our stories because they're our stories. We take them for granted. We take for granted some of the amazing things that we've done. Like I know when I've talked to elders in my life, I'm like, you did what? You lived where? You overcame what? They don't realize necessarily the value of all of the things that they've lived through. So I'm sure you're able to pull things out of them that are quite remarkable. There are people who think they really have nothing to share. Yeah. I just lived a normal life. It was boring. I said, no, no, no. Yeah. Everybody has a story to tell. And in fact, Netta, it's not just the things that people have overcome, although that is a very powerful part of the letter. Sure. Always, you know, the struggles that we all have and how we got through those struggles. But it's also, how did you get to school every day? Wait, you walked a mile through the snow? I mean, it sounds like Little House on the Prairie. Yeah. It even sounds different for you and me. Yeah. Imagine for our kids how crazy that sounds. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right? There was no Uber? No Uber, exactly. <laughs> what did you do? And the smells in the house, you know, all of the cooking that happened and people start talking about the baking and the recipes that have been passed down in the generation. So it's the big things and also the really sweet, smaller things that make up these letters and really make them special. So I want to know a little bit more about this kind of entrepreneurial side of things, because I know that our listeners are hearing stories and they're like, 
well, great. She's successful. She's already there. She's achieved it. I'm in midlife. I don't know what's next. I'm feeling stuck. What took you from this very precious thing that you had, this letter from your dad, to thinking this might be a good idea for other people to then actually turning it into a business? Were you an entrepreneur before? How did you get from that point to where you are now? I was so far from an entrepreneur. It's even hard for me to say that now that I'm an entrepreneur, but I am one. Yeah. I was the kind of person who had vision, but I was also a worker bee. So I could go to the office, so to speak, and do an incredible job. You know, I knew what my tasks were and I could do that job. Being an entrepreneur seemed way too risky for me. Yeah. Like that was for people who don't have boundaries, maybe in a good way. <laughs> And I wasn't part of that group. I have a friend who at the time wanted to do something like this as well for different reasons. And we came together, as you know, to start a different, well, it's the same company, but under a different name. And that put me over like the hump. You know, I was able to do it because it was with somebody else. And we both had the passion. And of course, there were struggles that came with that as well. But it got me started. And once I was down that path, I thought, wow, you know, we really had the service down. Like we knew how to give this experience to people. Do you want to hear what the struggles were? (laughs) Sure. Actually, I think it's important for people to hear as they go into a partnership. We always like to help them understand what to be aware of when you go into a partnership. Also, the fact that you continued to move through it, the the gift of it was it got you over the hump that you needed somebody to make this leap with. And I think that's a really important point. But yeah, if you don't mind sharing, I'd love to hear what a few of those struggles were. So I never would have done this without my partner. We got along so well. We're both really thoughtful. The challenge was that we had overlapping skills. We didn't have different skills. We had almost the same skills. Mm. And it was really hard for us to make decisions and move on, primarily because we did not know how to run a business. We had no idea how to do the marketing. We had no idea how to do reach outs even. So we knew how to talk to clients. We knew how to make it very special for them. And we knew how to create these letters and craft a beautiful package. But there came a time when we said, okay, for two people, we're really not bringing in the income that we need to make this a business rather than a passion project. Mm. And it was easy for us to call it that in the beginning because it was almost like a defense mechanism. Like we didn't have to step fully into it. We're like, oh, no, no, no. This is just something that we're doing because we love to do it. It doesn't matter if we're bringing in any money. But at a certain point, it does. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Right? Because you're putting in so much time and so much of your love and effort that you want to serve people. But also, it's a business. My partner already had a full-time job. So she went back to that. And I decided to rebrand to rename the business, and to take a two-year coaching and training course. And that gave me the know-how to be able to say, yeah, this is actually something. Like, 
I have the service. I know how to do that. But now I really understand how to do reach outs and how to be visible and to be more confident. Mm. And more than anything, it set my mind at ease. You know, I was able to put all of the imposter syndrome behind me. I really rarely have it. And I do speaking engagements. And I'm really starting to feel like, I'm not starting to feel, I do feel like an authority in this area. And I think that's mostly because I just love what I do. Mm. I love it. So there's the passion part. It's a passion business. I hear three key things in that. I hear, first, the partnership helped you jump. Then you realize that there was those overlapping skills. But then because of what you just said, I wasn't an entrepreneur, I could barely even say that, that you decided to go get help. And I think that's a really important piece that you did a two-year training course or worked with a coach for two years that got you through the unknowns, right? You still ultimately had to make the leap. You still have to decide that you're going to apply those things that you learn. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing is the passion, the passion for what you're doing, because that sustains us through those hard moments. And again, for the listener, it's really hard when you ask somebody like, what are you passionate about? Some people can answer that very quickly. And some people are like, I don't know, I have lots of passions, right? Or I don't really have any passions. I like to say like, what are you curious about? What captures your attention? What kind of gets you excited? Because passion can feel like for some people, oh, that's the one thing I want to pursue. I've always wanted to pursue it. And for you, what ignited that was this very dear and profound memory with your father. You probably didn't know in advance of that, that this was something that could exist or had real value. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that all of those things come across as you're sharing your story. Do you see yourself as an entrepreneur now? I really do. That's awesome. It's so fun to be in this club (laughs) and to talk to other entrepreneurs. And I think that's another piece, you know, in terms of the support. Many of us are solopreneurs. Sure. But there is a whole community of us. I have so many female friends who, like you, you know, who are doing incredible things. We can each learn from one another and boost one another. Can you share who you worked with? Is that something that you can share with our audience? Yeah, absolutely. It's called Revenue Breakthrough. Mm -hmm. And Monica Shah, S-H-A-H, started this. And while it is a coaching program, actually the training is equal or more valuable than the coaching because she taught me practical ways to move through. There are templates. There's a formula for getting speaking engagements and all there's a formula and templates for sending out emails and calendaring. So it's all the skills that an entrepreneur who's starting off like I was needs to have at least a robust and solid foundation. And then, you know, we can take it and run with it. It was really great. And I had said that, you know, I'm going to give my all to this program. I'll give my all to it and hopefully it will work. And not only did it work, I excel at it because it's just so clear. Yeah. And I mentioned I was a good worker bee, right? So if you give me an assignment, I'm going to do it. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. Well, and I think that's what it takes with those things. I've heard people that do those sorts of programs and they're like, well, you know, I don't know what I got out of it. And generally speaking, it's because of what they put into it. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, sure, there's the outliers that are just not that good. But most of those programs, if you put in the time and the work, you're going to come away with something because often it's the questions that lead to great answers. It's not the answers themselves. It's people who can really give you a sense of here's how you do it. Here's what you should do. But they have to ask the right questions about your particular business or your particular goals. And so you have to put in that that energy. Thanks for sharing that. And Mm -hmm. we'll have that in the show notes for everybody. As you've kind of launched this thing, you had a career before. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Because I think that can inform what you're doing or what you or people can see it as, wow, that's a big leap. How did she go from that to this? It might seem like a leap, but to me, it seems like a trajectory that led to this place. I did some writing for magazines, but actually on the publication side, on the advertising side, Mm -hmm. I worked for Hearst Magazines out of school. And then I went to actually teach at a school in Brooklyn, and I taught English and social studies. I was interested already in stories. I was a history minor. I mean, I love stories. And the way that I taught, I taught through what's seen as like minor players and regular people. That's mm-hmm. how I taught history. You can already see there's a yeah. little seed planted. Yeah. And then when I had some other jobs in development, grant writing and things like that, when I moved to San Francisco for Teach for America, I was working as a development director. So there too, I was telling the stories of the core members yeah. in order to be able to solicit funds from different foundations and corporations. And then I got pregnant and I had children and I um, started teaching yoga. Okay. So that might seem like a leap. <laughs> So I started teaching yoga and I always included themes in my classes, universal themes, but there was a thread throughout each class. Mm-hmm. Again, that's a story. You know, it's more stories. And after that is when I started uh, Family Love Letters. And the truth is, is that what I really love is talking to people. This is perfect for me right now. Right, right. <laughs> So I love having conversations. I mean, in my job as the facilitator of the conversations that I have with the clients, my elder clients, I ask questions. As you said, I ask, you know, the prompts that can help stir the juices, so to speak. And I'm listening in order to have the conversation. That was just what it was like when I taught, whether it was history or yoga, there's a lot of listening in yoga, or you know what I'm doing now. Yeah, There's a lot of listening. And I would say the first time, well, this was true in yoga, but I'm doing this full time. And when I taught yoga, I was not teaching full time. It's the first time that I've had a job, so to speak, that is not completely separate from my regular personal life. And it feels so good to be having these conversations as part of my work because they're deep and they're meaningful. And it's about who we are and who we want to be and purpose and value. I see a lot of that as we tell these stories 
in midlife, that there's more and more integration. The work that people are doing is more integrated into their life, into what they care about, into the areas of impact that they want to have. So I'm not surprised that you're saying that, that your life seems to both feed your work and your work your life. There aren't those clear sort of boundaries that I think exist when we're younger because they probably should exist when we're younger, right? Because we're still trying to differentiate between Mm -hmm. what is work and what is life and I'm learning over here. But it seems to me as I listen to more and more stories that those things are being integrated into our lives and maybe something we should be paying attention to as we're thinking about what's next for us. What can we integrate? What what is a life expander Mm -hmm. versus something that kind of narrows our life? So thank you for sharing that because I think that's really helpful to hear. I also see the through line in all of your work, the storytelling, but also I think it's okay, you know, when you said, well, the yoga thing might seem like an outlier or something off this path. And that's part of why it's called Liberty Road, because we know that it's a windy road to wherever we're going, to this idea of feeling fully liberated, feeling fully who we are. And that's okay. Each of those things was meant for us. Each of those things is something that we can learn from. And I'm sure your yoga practice taught you so much about who you are and about other people that you're integrating into the work that you're doing now. I love looking back and seeing how all these things connect. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that. If you were born with ovaries and you're over 40, you might be in perimenopause. Perimenopause is the time leading up to menopause where your hormone levels start to begin fluctuating and decline, and it can last up to 10 years. If you're experiencing symptoms like irregular periods, mood swings, forgetfulness, anxiety, or hot flashes, it might be time for you to talk to a doctor. Now, Alloy is a new kind of women's health company, and they're here to help you feel your best and stay healthy through perimenopause and beyond. From hormonal treatments to symbiotics to skincare, Alloy has what you need to age healthfully. And Alloy doctors are licensed in all 50 states, and all practitioners are menopause trained. So you can work with a doctor to get a personalized treatment plan. Now, once you're a member, you'll get everything shipped to your door, including automatic refills, and you'll get unlimited messaging with your doctor who can answer any questions you have as they come up. So go to myalloy.com to start your virtual appointment today. That's myalloy.com, M-Y-A-L-L-O-Y.com. So now you're in midlife, you're in this middle third, as we like to call it. What do you think you are bringing with you in starting this particular venture that perhaps you didn't have in your younger years? I think now, as opposed to before, probably before, I was more concerned about being able to talk about my work in a way that was kind of cool. I mean, it sounds so shallow. No. <laughs> but like no. when we're in our 20s. Initially, I wanted to ha- like be in the scene. Yeah. I was living in New York, so that was really fun. Yeah. So I was sort of in it in some ways. So when I was younger, I approached work differently. Uh, and the one hand, I wanted to be in a job that was kind of cool. Oh, I forgot to mention that I worked in a dot-com when I, 
um, after Teach for America. I was in Rome, so to speak. So anyway, I wanted to be like part of a scene. And then I made the choice to move into uh, more of a social action kind of job. When I, I said, I, I want to solve public school education. And I you know, went all the way that way. And with yoga, like you said, you, know, you learn more about yourself. I was learning so much about myself. And I learned that I really thrive off of connecting with people. I'm an extrovert. And I get energy from other people, even when it's silent <laughs> in a yoga class. Yeah. yeah. So what I would say is different is that at this point, I'm not looking for cool. Hmm. I'm looking for what is valuable for people and how I can serve others hmm. and enrich my own life and my purpose. And that is what it's about for me. The only person I have to prove anything to is myself. Yeah. It's the only person. And also, this is something that takes a lot of practice is to find that balance between really enjoying your job and having that integration that we just talked about, but not being defined by your job. Because if you are, then the successes and what is seen by many is like missteps or failures, those ups and downs, we start to take too personally. Yeah. And really that's just one facet of what we do. It's not who we are. Yeah. There's that line that we tow. And the only other thing I would add is that what's also different about where I am today is that I want to constantly learn and grow. I hope to do that for the rest of my life. So a big part of what I'm doing now is towards that aim, you know, towards that goal of growing, growing from others, finding out more about myself. And that's a big part of why I'm doing this. That curiosity thing I mentioned earlier, I think that's key. The research is out. Longevity Mm -hmm. studies report that curiosity, learning is a value. It's why we created after school. We created our membership program so that people could connect to each other, create a little bit of that community, but also so they could continually be learning about themselves. Many, again, are stuck in this season, and it offers some very practical, generative ideas and ways to get out of your head and move into what's next. So the fact that that's something you want for yourself and that's something that you're hungry for and are pursuing, you're onto what the research is showing. We need to remain curious and hungry for that. And it shows up in your work because you're curious about the people that you're talking to. You're not just doing this because it's your job. You're doing this because you're in earnest, curious about their life and their story. And you want to report something back to those people who are going to read this letter for years to come in a meaningful way, right? So it appears in the things that you're doing. Mm -hmm. So... This season, we're focused on new beginnings, and you were kind enough to share a little bit of your startup story. But I wonder, in retrospect, as you look back, what were the hardest parts of launching, and what were the things that you look back at and say, that was a blessing in disguise? Perhaps the partnership was one of those things. It was a blessing in disguise. It got you over that hump of starting something. It got you to start believing that you're an entrepreneur, and then you could sort of take it from there. 
But what were maybe the hardest things as you look back? How long have you been doing this? I've been at this since 2017. We spent a whole year honing the process Hmm. and doing some focus groups, talking to people and seeing what they would want, you know, both the family members and the clients. So we really did our due diligence with that. That was really fun because we said, okay, we're not quite a business yet. We're just doing our homework here. The hardest part when we were still in partnership, well, the partnership was both the best thing and also the hardest thing. You know, it's a marriage. Yeah. And what was really hard for us was making decisions and moving on. That's something I learned in this program. It sounds so obvious, but making decisions and trying things, we were really hesitant to just experiment. What could possibly happen? What would be the worst thing? (laughs) But it just seemed too hard. Maybe we were both perfectionists. Hmm. We tried things in that first year, but then it was really hard for us to experiment. That was really hard. Also, feeling that we were worthy. Hmm. So this is all mindset stuff, isn't it? Yeah. The mindset was the hardest part. We were very shy about putting the word out to people. You can have the best product or service, the one that would be amazing for everybody if they don't know about it. Sure. What's the point? So that was really hard for us. And then I am still close with my former business partner. Yeah. But it was really hard breaking up. Yeah. It was hard. Yeah. It's not easy to do that. I would say don't go into a partnership lightly because it's hard breaking up. Many partnerships do split at some point. They do. If you've been on the podcast at all, you've heard me say that. I've had to do those back in the day when I was consulting. I've had to do Mm -hmm. those and they're very difficult. And when there's a friendship, it's really painful. Mm -hmm. And you kind of hit early at the top of the podcast, the key thing that I always say, make sure you have differences that you're bringing to the table because then you each can see the value that the other person's bringing. You're not feeling like your toes are being stepped on. And also you can appreciate what the other person's bringing. So when you're annoyed with them, you're like, yeah, but this is all the stuff that they're bringing to the table. When it's so similar, then it becomes so much more nuanced. It's about how they're bringing that to the table versus what they're bringing to the table. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really key. In addition to the blessing in disguise, I mentioned that this partnership got you over the hump. Anything else that you look back at and say, man, I had no idea how right I was or how glad I am that I made that decision back then? First of all, I will say that the partner dissolution was a blessing in disguise Mm. because I would never be where I am right now with the business. If we had stayed together, we would still be spinning our wheels as though we were in our first official year of the launch. Mm. And because COVID hit, we split up, so to speak, in January of 2020. Oh my gosh. I'm sure you hear this all the time, Netta, all of these... (laughs) You yeah. know, these businesses that launched in, you know, just before the yes. pandemic. Yes. I did have some clients through COVID because I could work by phone and it was yeah. such a nice visit for an elder person who yeah. was isolated, but still it was pretty slow. And it's almost like that was 
my rock bottom in terms of the business. It's like, okay, when we split up, maybe I should have just called it a day. And because it was sort of rock bottom and I really didn't know how to launch an actual business, that is when I decided to join your community when you had your previous iteration. I was around people that was during the pandemic and that was really great to hear how everyone was dealing with being isolated and how we all picked each other up. And I just want to just say right now that after school is amazing. Mm. It helps us. It helps lift us up and also to go deeper into ourselves so that we can make sure that we have that connection. Yeah. Always have that connection you know, with ourselves and our purpose and exploration. So I just want to thank you for that. Thank you. Because that's amazing. So when I hit rock bottom, I said, okay, this coaching and training program, this is it. <laughs> that was the best decision that I made. And it was an investment. Sure. It was the first time that I actually put money from my husband and my bank account. It wasn't from the business account. We yeah. took money out for this program and it was an investment. Because I put the money towards it, there was no way I wasn't going to do everything <laughs> sure. that they taught me. I was going to take full, full advantage of it. That to me was the pivotal piece, making a change. Because if you just continue down the same path, Mm -hmm. first of all, there's no curiosity there. There's no growth. Where's the spark coming from? Where are those ideas coming from? Making that investment, which wasn't easy for me, Netta. I'm not one to spend money freely. You know, probably got this from my parents, <laughs> this money voice, but there's a worthy aspect yeah. to it. I didn't feel necessarily like what I had and who I, who I was like as a quote unquote at the time entrepreneur, what am I doing spending money? I live in the Bay area. Like I'm going to spend money <laughs> from our personal account with two kids in college on this business that, that hasn't gone anywhere really yet the best money I ever spent. Best money. There's something really important in what you're saying, which is that commitment to investing in yourself. And I'm going to assume it was in the thousands because you're calling it real money. Okay. So that investment not only gave you the tools and the resources and the know-how to move forward, but that act of investing in yourself is an act of believing in yourself. You put everything on the line. And probably even before you came back and rebranded what is now Family Love Letters and started again, you started to believe that you could do this. I'm not even sure I'm an entrepreneur. This is a passion project. Started to take hold. Oh, no, I'm damn sure because I just spent all this money. I have to believe in this to move forward. And often when you're talking to an entrepreneur who's honest, that they will tell you in those early days, there is something that they did where they had to fully believe, they had to fully jump in, even though in the back of their head, there was fear, there was, I don't really know if I'm the one, I don't really know if I'm capable. Those are all healthy things. Those things ensure that you're fully human, you're alive, there's humility intact, but you act anyway, you move forward anyway, you have a sense of belief anyway. Mm -hmm. It's so important that we hear your words and what you're saying, because I really believe we need those pivotal acts, those just start, just do it, 
just begin in order to see that forward movement. So many times people are like, I can't do what all your people on the podcast are doing. I'm like, wait, listen to their story. Listen to that moment when they just said, and, and I went for it anyway. You're not seeing their bottom line. You don't know that they're still not struggling. What you know is they've acted, they've moved, and they're building something. That's what you mm -hmm. know. That's the story you're hearing. So thank you for making that so crystal clear to us, the act that you had to, you forced yourself to make or do in order that you could come out on the other end. I wonder how you feel about this. I used to think, this is years ago, the entrepreneurs that I knew, they were all men. Why were they able to take the risk? What is it about them that was not afraid of failure? And what is failure? And now it's just so awesome to see women. Obviously, there have been women before us who have been entrepreneurs, but I'm really seeing many women, many who are going for it and not just going for it. Like they're, they're rocking it. And it's primarily because of what you said. They have the faith and we have to just go for it. Yeah. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. Yeah. The worst that can happen is that you regret not doing it. Yes. Amen. That's it. That's the end of the podcast. You just, you, mm -hmm. just, <laughs> you just said it all. That is absolutely right. That is the worst that can happen. And I'll get on a soapbox here. And again, people have heard me say this, but that is your service to the world. You showing up as fully yourself, flaws and all, you using all your gifts and talents will realize who you're supposed to be in the world as you move forward. There's no greater act than just starting. Mm -hmm. Just go for it. Just do it with all the baggage in tow. Just go for it. Thank you, Aviva, for sharing your story and also being so thoughtful about mm -hmm. encouraging us along the way. Our listeners are going to listen to this one a second time, I have a feeling. So let's get into our fast five real quick. Share something that you do on a daily basis that keeps you grounded. I do yoga every day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I figured that was coming. So yoga and meditation, and it doesn't have to be long. And I walk my dog and have my tea or coffee in the morning. Morning ritual. What time do you get up? I'm always curious about you people who do all that in the morning. You know what? And I always feel like I'm rushing, yeah. but I get up at like about quarter to seven. Yeah. And... That all does take, including like sitting down and then taking a shower, it does take a couple hours. So yeah, I get up earlier and I also have to go to bed early. I know I'm not one of these you know, late night people. I'm an early riser. So it's, it's also what your body clock is. Yes. I do that every day. Which is really important. The whole circadian rhythm thing is really important at this age. And then what are you currently reading? I usually read one book at a time, but I'm currently reading two because I took one out from the library and it's due back. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm reading Anne Pritchett's Tom Lee, uh -huh. which it's so lovely. I love this book. Aww. It takes place in Michigan on a, at a camp on a lake and then on a farm. And then the other book I'm reading is Benjamin Hardy and Dan Sullivan wrote Who, Not How, and it's finding the who's in your life to help you do things not, and not worrying about how you're going to do something because that can hold you back. It's a real shift in the way you approach business and also life. It's like, you know, you can work out at home or you can talk about doing your workout or you can hire a trainer. Sure. 
So it's applying if once you have a vision for your business, applying that same concept there. Oh, that's cool. It's really cool. Okay. We'll include that in the show notes as well. And then what's your advice for all of our listeners who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s and thinking it's too late? What's your advice for starting at this age? I would say don't wait, do it now. Yeah. That's also with my business. You know, I do these write these letters mostly for mm-hmm. elder people, but sometimes people are in their 60s, you never know what tomorrow will bring, whether it's starting a business or starting a new language. Like I'm just starting Spanish. I've been putting it off, putting off it's I don't want to wait anymore. There's no waiting. Yeah. So, do it now. Yeah. Jump. There's no waiting. That's right. And then what are you loving about this season? What is something in your life that you appreciate about being in this middle third? My kids are both out of the house. They're at school, except when they're in the house. And I know you know all about that. So I have a lot of space. I have a lot of time and a lot of space to work on my business and on myself and my marriage and things that we love to do together. And I would say that has been such a gift to have this space while still being really connected to the people in my family. And the other thing is what I mentioned before, that I really don't have anything to prove to anybody else. We never did, right? But we thought we did, or at least I did. I'm probably the most confident. Here I am, you know, have this business. I'm the most confident I've ever been. Amen. And I love that. The other thing that I love, and I want to thank Zoom for this, (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's expanding. Um, I love girlfriends, Mm. you know, really like meaningful relationships. And with Zoom, we're able to expand the circle. And I've just found like through my work, which I I wouldn't have been connected to you, Netta. Yeah, that's right. If it weren't for my work. And we've never met in person, have we? Can you believe that? Wow. Yeah, I know. Because I've known you since well before COVID. We've known each other since 2018. Wow. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I would have said we had met, but we haven't met in person. I know. So we have this connection. It's just amazing how we say, oh, we have enough friends. No, actually, there's there's a lot of room for meaningful relationships in our lives. So I'm loving that. Yeah. I think in after school, I think you were there. I mentioned that I had just read that poem where a woman, she was a millennial and she was saying, you know, yes, nothing beats meeting in real life. But what I have been afforded is through Zoom or whatever platform, seeing into other people's homes, Mm -hmm. seeing how other people live, people showing up as Mm -hmm. who they are every day, not necessarily getting dressed up. And She was just talking about how profound that was, that we get this visual into people's lives. I can see, it looks like a dining room, but I can see into where you're sitting. That's special. And then, of course, we have to ask this question because it's called Liberty Road. What has Family Love Letters done or how has Family Love Letters liberated you, the woman? It's shown me that I can have a business that is really, you know, fulfilling for me, like where I serve others and it's fulfilling for me. I mean, it's liberated me and showed me that I can do this. I have the ability. And that to me has, it's actually been liberating. I mean, 
it's freed my mindset from thinking, oh no, I can only work for other people. That's, I can't imagine. And it's really been liberating and amazing. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you did what you did and that you're here today. Thank you, Aviva. It's been such a pleasure. Oh, it's been really fun to be here anytime, Netta. Well, I'll take you up on it. You know I will, so careful. And we will have all of your handles and uh, your URL to Family Love Letters so people can check out what you do. And I just want to say thanks to our listeners for hanging out with Aviva and hanging out with me. And we can't wait to talk to you guys next week. Bye for now. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms. Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and more. If you like what you've heard, please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcast and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping you to move into your middle third with intention. Liberty Road is created by executive producer Netta Jones, supervising producer Elizabeth Windham, producer Julia Windham, and music by Jack Jones. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.